What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. And Bart, week two's in the books. Uh, my week two went a little bit better than my week one. How about you? <laughs> uh, it was it was good. I mean, in like five, six leagues, so it's always like kind of, you know, you win some, you lose some. Uh, it's, it's rare that I'm winning all of them. And of course, like that guillotine league I love to talk about, you're just trying not to finish last. But I had a fun weekend, man. I went went away, had a, kind of a guy's weekend. We watched a lot of the, uh, the football games, at least the one o'clock games, and then I uh, started the four o'clocks and came home. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch all the four o'clock games. I still need to go back and watch watch uh, some of the highlights on the the later games. The, I missed some of the afternoon matchups, but yeah, it's a good week. Oh man, you missed you missed some crazy stuff. It, this, <laughs> this was one of the wildest weeks I can remember in a while in terms of uh, crazy uh, games and comebacks in particular. Um, but yeah, it sounds like you didn't get to see the end of that uh, Raiders Cardinals game, which you no. should definitely go back and watch. We'll talk about it in in a little bit here because we are going to be recapping each and every game uh, from the week two slate and then uh, jumping into our waiver wire picks uh, for week three looking ahead. Um, so it's, it's going to be another busy show, but uh, yeah, it's just, just it's we're living our best life here. Yeah, and luckily I did make it home and, and actually saw the end of some of the four o'clock games. So yeah, that that uh that overtime uh that game was wild at the at the end. And even in the one o'clock games, we'll get to them. But man, that Miami Baltimore game, whew, I mean there were so many good like comebacks and some underdogs again. Dogs were barking. Let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we'll jump right into it. And, but I will as a programming note, we record here on Monday evening, so usually there's a football game going on while we're recording. Tonight, there's two football games going on while we're recording. So mm-hmm. I got one up on the screen behind me. I got one on, up on my phone. I couldn't get the picture-in-picture <laughs> to work on my phone, uh, on my uh, TV. I mean, uh, I, I, I feel like you're having some technical difficulties with watching as well. Right, Bart? We'll see if I can, we'll see if I can get it working. I'll see if I can get it up and running <laughs> if here. If not, I'll just tell you what's happening. Uh, Jalen Hurts is <laughs> tearing up the Vikings. I know that much. Okay. Uh, but let's jump into uh, Sunday's game or Thursday. Let's start go back in time. Start on <laughs> Thursday night uh, with the Chargers and the Chiefs. The Chiefs win that game twenty-seven to twenty-four. Uh, I mean, that's a decent number of points, but I feel like that game was a little bit uh, disappointing for fantasy in some respects. Uh, it wasn't quite the uh, bonanza that <laughs> that some <laughs> might have hoped for. Um, Justin Herbert certainly ended up having a, a fine game, and uh, Mike Williams, uh, as as expected, uh, had a big box score tally: eight catches, 113 yards, and a TD. Uh, Gerald Everett, of course, uh, seems to be the the main beneficiary of Keenan Allen being out of the lineup. He caught six balls for 71 yards, um, and uh, Josh Palmer did get in the end zone, but he and DeAndre Carter are both kind of. Um, peripheral options in that offense right now it seems like yeah and um you know the big play of the, the game was that inter- that pick six right the 99 yard return where Gerald Everett had just made a big play and then they're rushing up to the line Everett wants to come out of the game and he kind of runs a short route or doesn't do the right thing and then gets picked off and just looked mad but yeah Gerald Everett he's the number two guy there without Keenan Allen I really like to see that because I picked him up played him over Cole Komet who had another goose egg this week. <laughs> we'll get to that game. Hmm. But um, the other thing, you know, on the Kansas City side, Kelsey had somewhat of a quiet game, especially compared to week one. And, you know, Juju didn't really do a whole lot. 
Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling still kind of like led the team, same seven targets uh, with Kelsey. So I like to see that. He's running a lot of routes, but only two catches for 13 yards. So I don't know. I dropped him in a league. I've kept him in a couple other leagues. I've really believed in him. And I don't know. I, if you're willing, if you're in a kind of a shallower league and you want to cut him, I, I get it because I did it in one. But I'm also kind of in, in the same saying the same thing. Like I kind of want to hold on to him where I can because I still believe that he could be the number one guy there. Yeah, it, I mean, you know, Mahomes told us uh, it's going to frustrate fantasy managers with uh, yep. <laughs> different guys showing up in the box score each week. I, I do feel like right now Kelsey is the only guy you can 100% trust, but Juju is definitely, I think, still the the, the number one wide receiver uh, in that passing game. I'm not really surprised he had a, a uh, slow game this week. I actually... We'll give a shout out to Bradley Stalder, who on Twitter before the game said that it feels like a bust game scenario for Juju Smith-Schuster going up against Bryce Callahan, who has only allowed 50 plus yards uh, in coverage once since week eight of 2020. So that was a really good call uh, that uh, Juju would get shut down uh, in that game. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I still think he's he's the best bet. But like Mahomes said. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be different guys uh, throughout the season, so that could be a little frustrating for fantasy managers. Um, and that, I think the big news coming out of this is Justin Herbert, right? Like we saw him get dinged up at the end of the game. Yeah. He got hit hard, got a rib injury. He he was like wincing. He like didn't make a throw there toward the end. So hopefully he's okay. If you have Herbert, they play the Jags in Week Three, so just another smash matchup. So. Um, I guess maybe have a backup plan in case. Uh, I mean, he made he a, a pretty incredible throw, though, at the end of that game. With, uh, with he did. Yeah. Uh, I guess did they say it was um, was it fractured ribs? Uh, I think it's some rib. I think it's some rib cartilage. cartilage. Yeah, torn cartilage yeah. in the rib cage. He'll probably play through it. Yeah, I think he will. I think he will, and I think he'll play well. <laughs> the question will be: Will Keenan Allen be back? Uh, Austin Eckler too. I, we should mention real quick is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a little disappointing in the box score, but he caught nine passes. So, uh, yeah. it's certainly in a PPR league, there's not really anything to be be uh, worried about there. And then uh, on the Chiefs side in the backfield, uh, you know, I, I still think Ceh is going to be a pretty good option most weeks. But they they are not afraid to use McKinnon. He didn't have a big game here, but he is getting some work in the red zone, which is interesting because you wouldn't necessarily think of McKinnon being used that way. So that will be something to continue to watch. And then uh, Pacheco at this point, he's really lightly used um, unless, you know, they're up big in the fourth quarter of game. So he's really just kind of a lottery ticket stash right now. Yep. In case, if, in case of injury, break glass. So you got, you like to have those guys at the end of the bench. Exactly. All right. So moving on, uh, we will talk about the Browns <laughs> and the Jets. <laughs> this is, see, this is why I'm so obsessed with fantasy sports because when I was a kid, uh, my cousins got me hooked on the Browns when I was little, <laughs> and it's been nothing but pain ever since. So it's much better to root for my own fantasy teams than to ever rely on the Browns for my happiness. <laughs> and uh, they showed why on Sunday. They were up by 13 points with under two minutes left <laughs> and mm. somehow found a way to blow the game. Uh, first, a wide-open Corey Davis streaking down the sideline with no one within 20 yards of him for a touchdown pass, then a successful onside kick. Then they storm right down the field again. This is Joe Flacco, keep in mind. Storms right down the field again uh, for another touchdown in the final seconds. And, of course, 
Cade York, who was the hero of last week's win for the Browns, missed an extra point, and that ended up being the difference as the Jets win 31-30. to 30. <laughs> So mm-hmm. that happened. Um, fantasy-wise, you know, Nick Chubb is awesome. Three touchdowns. Uh, you know, Kareem Hunt is a really good fantasy option too, but Chubb is, is the alpha, and he, he showed that again. I was happy to see Amari Cooper uh, have yeah. a big game. I You know, I... I I do want to say I was not buying the whole Donovan Peoples-Jones thing, and he ended up with one target in this game, and Cooper had 10. So I think that uh, sets it straight in, in terms of what we're going to look for with Cleveland. I think Cooper is the only only receiver you need to care about, at least until Deshaun Watson uh, is back in the fold. But, uh, you know, Jacoby Brissett will throw to his tight ends. The problem is it's always been a rotation in Cleveland, kind of like it is with the Colts and uh, and Joku did catch three passes for 32 yards, but it was actually Harrison Bryant who had 45 yards on his three catches. So uh, <laughs> I'm still, you know, not really buying Njoku, um with with Brissett under center. But I do think Amari Cooper uh, kind of reestablished himself as a guy that you can consider as that low end wide receiver, too. Yeah, that was the thing I was looking for on this game going in was would that flip back to what we expected from week one to week two? And it, and it did. Um, on the Jets side, I think the big news there, you mentioned Flacco having a big game. He was like the QB4 uh, <laughs> before these two <laughs> games tonight uh, on the week. And I mean, you know, 307 yards, four touchdowns. I don't think many people are rushing to pick him up to play him. But um, Garrett Wilson, I think, is the big news, right? The rookie first rounder had eight catches for 102 yards and two touchdowns on 14 targets. So that's the big news. I know we're going to talk waiver wire a little bit at the end of the show. I'm sure we'll be talking Garrett Wilson a little bit. So. Yep. Maybe we just save it for that. Yeah, we'll keep our <laughs> keep our powder dry on that one. Um, yep. Backfield with the Jets, you know, I still like Michael Carter, but uh, it it it's it's a, it's a committee. There's no doubt about it. Um, I mm-hmm. Carter is the one who is getting used more in the passing game. At least in this game, he did. Uh, Hall caught the touchdown, but uh, he only had one target, whereas Carter had five. So I still think. Carter is the better fantasy play. They split the carries right down the middle in this game. Uh, Hall was a little more productive on his rushes, but I don't think you can really take too much away from that. Um, I I kind of see Carter as a low-end RB2 and Hall as an RB3 flex type at the moment. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens when Zach Wilson comes back, right? Because I th- think Flacco is going to be there week three. You know, Zach Wilson should be probably back soon and I expect everything will kind of be similar with the game plan, right? But we don't know, right? That's going to throw a little bit of a wrench into things. I assume, you know, kind of the offensive game plan will stay like it is, but might change up a little bit. But I, I think you're like, I think both of these running backs I'll continue to sort of rank as certainly RB3s, maybe not quite in the RB2 range. Yeah. Both are in consideration. Yeah. Carter, I think, is the one that's closer. But yeah. Yeah. I, I hear that. Uh, we'll, we'll save the talk about Wilson, but real quick, Elijah Moore. Three catches, 41 yards on five targets. Um, yeah. Coming into the season, he was seen as the number one guy here. He probably still yep. is the number one guy here, but um, not by a lot. Uh, so is is this – an you know, are you worried about Elijah Moore? What kind of value do you think he has at this point? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, before the season started, uh, people were ranking, probably me included, uh, guys like Elijah Moore next to Amon Ross St. Brown, who we'll talk about in a little bit. I mean, these are guys who – had really good seasons, um, especially second half. And you're looking at them like, okay, they could improve even in year two. And then 
of course, Garrett Wilson comes in, and uh, you know Corey Davis has caught back, you know touchdowns in each of the first couple games. So, yeah, I'm a little I'm a little concerned that there's just not enough to go around that Elijah Moore, even though he's a good playmaker. Um, I mean, are you starting him right now? Probably not. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna lower him quite a bit for week three. Um, he's gonna be sort of in the flex discussion, but I'm certainly like on Thursday. I'm sure we'll talk about maybe him versus some other guys, and I'll, I'll like plenty of other guys ahead of him. I'll say that. Yeah, the, the Jets just have a lot of options. It was supposed to be good news for Elijah Moore that Joe Flacco was going to be under center to start the year mm-hmm. because uh, Moore did well with Flacco last year, but it's not really transpiring that way so far. And, there's yeah, there's just a lot of mouths to feed, and it's not the most prolific offense despite what we saw on Sunday. <laughs> right. So that is that is a little bit of a concern. Uh, yep. Moving on, the Commanders and the Lions. Lions win this one 36-27. to 27. Uh, Lions were blowing them out of the water in the first half, and uh, the Commanders got into comeback mode, and they didn't quite pull off the comeback, but they certainly uh, ended up putting up some fantasy numbers because of that. Uh, both, yep. both of the quarterbacks with big numbers in this game, Goff, 256 yards and four touchdowns. Wentz, 337 yards and three touchdowns with a pick as well. Um, it's kind of, it ended up being pretty much what I would have expected, a high-scoring shootout kind of a game. Yep. Um, it just wasn't really a back-and-forth shootout. It was more uh, Detroit went up early and then uh, had to kind of put Washington away because, you know, Washington um, opened things up and, and started uh, doing doing their, uh, I, I wouldn't call it garbage time necessarily, but it was... Um, softer coverage they were facing uh so my real question with washington is like how much can we really take away from what we've seen these first two weeks because i mean this team is putting up huge fantasy numbers across the board right now um and i just wonder how much of that is sustainable is it i mean if their defense is going to be bleeding points all season then maybe (laughs) it is but uh it's just this isn't what i was expecting coming into the year at all yeah, it was definitely garbage time adjacent. I'll say that. And um, yeah, I mean, we've seen quarterbacks. I think I mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago. We were talking about someone, and I mentioned how it's kind of like Blake Bortles that year. He had the garbage time top five fantasy finish. And couldn't you just kind of see Carson Wentz having that kind of a year? Because, yeah, Washington's going to be behind in some games the way this defense looks. They are giving up huge plays. I don't know if you saw the one where DeAndre Swift fell down, got up, ran around. I mean, DeAndre Swift's awesome, but like, Someone should have tackled him on that yeah. touchdown, you know? And, like, they, they just they gave up so many big plays and plays where it's, like, seriously, they just looked they just looked like a college team out there at times to me. They really did. So, yeah, I think Wentz is going to have a lot of opportunities to get to spread it around. Uh, Curtis Samuel, again, was really involved. Uh, he's looking really good as long as he's healthy. Uh, I'm moving him up my rankings. And then I'll just say real quick on the Detroit side, we were talking about Amon Ross St. Brown, and he's the, I'm, I'm already going to put him in the top ten this week. I mean, he had a great game. I had him right right around there last week, yep. so that that worked out. Um, but yeah, I, Curtis Samuel has uh, almost as many targets as Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson combined so far this season. Uh, <laughs> twenty versus twenty two between the two of them. So that's something that I was not expecting. Uh, you know, Dotson is a dynamic playmaker, though. He keeps scoring. He scored a touchdown this game. Uh, yep. I believe he also had a two point conversion. So. He did. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's he just keeps making plays. I mean, he's not a volume guy right now, but um, but he's a very exciting young player. And, you know, uh, McLaurin is, is a great player, but it's it, these other guys are factoring in. So I still think 
I want to see them play some tough defenses and see what happens. <laughs> like if they went up against a Tampa Bay or something, I don't think they're going to put up these kind of numbers, you know? Um, yeah. So I want to see how the targets get distributed and who, who is still a viable fantasy play in a game where they're, they're not having some sort of wild shootout. But again, maybe they just do all year. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm on raw. Like you said, I mean, he's just, He's in that wide receiver one conversation at this point. I mean, he he's had uh, at least eight catches uh, and at least ten targets in eight straight games, I believe, dating back to last season, which is yeah. really incredible. So, and he has he's averaging a touchdown per game over that stretch as well. So it's not like he's not getting the end zone either. Uh, so he's really amazing. DeAndre Swift only touched the ball seven times in this game, and he still had a great fantasy day. He had eighty-seven <laughs> yards. Uh, and a touchdown. So that's just how dynamic a player he is. Um, Hawkinson's been a little disappointing, though. I mean, he did get seven targets in this game, but we're not really seeing the kind of fantasy production so far that would have justified taking him at the stage of a draft where you would have had to probably in that, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round range in your draft. Yeah, for me, it's Amon Ross, St. Brown, Swift, and then I guess, you know, Maybe maybe we'll mention Goff's name in the quarterback pickups because, I mean, they're playing at Minnesota, who's playing Philly right now as we speak, and that could be, who knows, maybe that'll be another, like, shootout. Uh, you never know. Yeah, so. well, Goff is the one. I mean, Wentz right now is doing kind of what I was expecting Goff to do this season, which was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have a team that was going to give up a lot of points and fall behind in a lot of games and pile up a lot of stats in the second half, passing the ball. And it's not like Goff isn't doing well either. He had four touchdowns in this game, but... Uh, it was Wentz that was getting that mop-up duty that I that I was expecting um, from Goff a lot this season, and we may still see. Yep. Uh, next game, the Buccaneers twenty, the Saints ten, in New Orleans. This game was a defensive slugfest. It was a literal slugfest uh, <laughs> between Mike Evans and Mar- Marshawn Lattimore, who were both yep. ejected. Uh, Mike Evans has now also been suspended a game. For I guess he had, after the play, he had gone to the sideline, and then he came back out and decked Lattimore. So I don't know if the fact yeah. that he was coming from the sideline had something to do with the the uh, punishment, but um, it you know this game was uh, pretty pretty ugly for the most part. Uh, you know the Buccaneers have surprisingly been um, very run heavy so far this season, and mm-hmm. I don't know if that can be attributed to all the injuries they've had with their wide receivers, uh, or if it's Todd Bowles taking over for Bruce Arians. He's obviously a more defensive-minded coach. Um, I tend to lean more towards the former, though. I, you know, they still have Tom Brady. This, You know, they still have Mike Evans. They're going to get Chris Godwin back eventually. Um, even guys like Julio Jones, he looked really explosive before in week one before missing this game. Uh, Russell Gage. I mean, they just have a lot of weapons in the passing game. So I have to figure they will get a little more pass heavy at some point. But this was the kind of game where they weren't likely to do that because it was going to be a physical, defensive-minded game. And you feed Leonard Fournette in a game like that. Yeah, and after week one when, you know, Tampa beat Dallas in a low-scoring affair, when we previewed this when it was like we both agreed this was going to be a low-scoring game and that's what happened. And I, I think... I don't know about next – so next week, I'm just going to look ahead real quick, but they play the, the, the Packers next week, and you're mentioning Brady. I mean, I'm already thinking Brady's outside of my top 12 
quarterbacks for next week. So I'm considering a streamer. I'm considering a Carson Wentz or a Jared Goff, like who we just talked about, because Brady without Mike Evans, you're, you're talking Russell Gage. Uh, he had a he had a touchdown to Brashad Perriman in this game. Those are going to be his top targets uh, if Julio's out as well. You know, he's got Scotty Miller had eight targets. Cameron Brait at the t- tight end position. You know, like these are guys, I mean, Fournette maybe gets a little more involved in the passing game uh, against the Packers, but I don't expect Brady to have a top 12 game next week. So I'm looking to stream if I have Brady, which I do in a league. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, we'll see. I mean, Evans could also um, uh, appeal his suspension, in which case it could yeah. get uh, overturned or potentially push back a week or something like that. So we'll have to see. Um, Julio Jones, I do think he looked really good in week one. So if he comes back, that would also help Brady's case. But yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he might be on the outside looking in on that top 12. Uh, I'll have yeah. to and on the, on decide the on side, Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, on the Saints side, I'll just say, you know, Chris Olave with 13 targets led the way. Michael Thomas was still involved, had nine targets in the touchdown. So Michael Thomas is definitely an every week starter. Chris Olave is creeping up. You know, we're going to, talk about a couple rookies probably in the waiver wire again i don't know we'll have to see what olave's roster percentage is um, well yeah, olave oh. i wrote about this in my fantasy pros uh takeaways column today he had 365 air yards <laughs> in this game he's the wow. fifth player since 2016 to have over 300 air yards in a game so that was crazy and according to pro football focus he's the first player in the 17 years they've been tracking it who has had over 300 uh wait, no no an, an average depth of target over 25 yards on 13 or more targets so man uh Jameis was airing the ball out to Olave in this game he <laughs> didn't connect that much he had five catches for 80 yards but um I mean I don't know I don't know what to make of that I'm not sure this is going to be something we're going to see every week but it's certainly intriguing for his his potential I I feel like Alave at this point is probably going to be a little bit boomer bust. Uh, Michael Thomas is really the only receiver with the Saints that I would want to be starting right now in a standard ten or twelve yeah. team league. But um, but yeah, I mean Alave is an exciting talent, and his role should only grow probably at the expense of Landry as the season uh, moves forward. Also in that uh, receiving group, you know, when we previewed the game, you asked me about Taysom Hill versus Juwan Johnson, and that was a really good question. And I, at the time, I was like, man, I don't know. And then I was thinking about it like rest of season, right? And just after that game, honestly, I'm like, I, I might I might flip it, man. I might do Juwan Johnson. He had seven targets, caught four for 40. And he's just, you know, he's kind of like that third receiver. And Taysom Hill, while he is, you know, he was involved in the offense too. He had, uh, let's see, he had three rushes. Um, you know, for 14 yards. So, like, we'll have games like that, and Taysom will have some some big plays too. But this will be an interesting to watch, uh, one to watch, and I think Jawan Watson, he's creeping up my rankings. Yeah, I'm still skeptical. <laughs> I don't think either of them are going to be top 12 kind of tight ends. Um, but Taysom is the one that I think has the upside to potentially get there. It It's just he's going to be boom or bust. But, like, the booms could be like it was in week one where it's like yeah. a big boom, like top three of the week tight end, you know, like maybe yep. he'll be like a top three tight end five times this season. And then he'll have 10 games where he's like outside the top 20 or something. You know, <laughs> I could see that kind of a scenario. Whereas with Juwan Johnson, I feel like the upside is like tight end 15 <laughs> tight end 20 <laughs> in that, in that kind of range. So it just doesn't uh, excite me very much. That's um, how I feel about so many tight ends. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> I will point out, though, Mark Ingram uh, got the start with Alvin Kamara out of, for this game. And 
you know, he didn't do anything too special, but he's he actually ran with a little bit of burst. Ten carries, sixty yards. Uh, they they want they got away from it because they fell behind in this game uh, eventually. But um, and and you know they just uh, threw. I mean, Jameis threw forty times in this game. Yeah. Um, but when Ingram got the opportunity, he actually ran the ball pretty well. Even though Tony Jones was also um, cycling in, especially on passing downs. Yeah, interested interested to see if Kamara comes back this week or when he does. I mean, because Kamara really didn't look that good in Week One either. So, uh, yeah, New Orleans needs to get the running game going, you know, and and get a lead against someone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. all right, next game: the Giants defeat the Panthers, nineteen to sixteen. This was a game that I I feel like we expected it to be a defensive game, and that's exactly yep. what it was. Uh, you know, the one thing that was encouraging was Christian McCaffrey got going in this game. Um, 15 carries, 102 yards. He also caught four passes for 26 yards on five targets. Uh, you know, it's still not like massive, you know, Christian McCaffrey league winning uh, or matchup winning kind of week or anything like that. But um, that's the kind of usage we want. He didn't come off the field very often at all in this game. Um, I still feel like, though, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, you know, they, they, they say like it's good for quarterbacks to – look down the field and not just check down all the time. But I don't necessarily think that is the best thing for the Panthers or for fantasy. (laughs) Um, Certainly for fantasy, it's not because you want him just getting the ball in Christian McCaffrey's hands. But I would argue even from a real life perspective, just get the ball in Christian McCaffrey's hands. Don't try to force (laughs) a throw 20 yards down the field into double coverage with which Baker Mayfield likes to do. Like, you know, just take it, just, just dump it off. You might not, get the credit but like your it helps your team win i mean getting the ball to mccaffrey is the is the recipe for success for this team absolutely um and then on the giant side you know we were talking about saquon after that huge week one and i was on on the preview show looking up his over under total yards uh total rushing yards and i think it was right at 74 and a half so he ended up with 72 so that was a pretty good line um they often make them pretty good there and uh you know daniel jones is just He's pretty incompetent. This is, I mean, we talked about this being a defensive game, but to me it was just more of like a lack of offense, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, more, more than the defense. But, I mean, we'll see. Uh, I mean, both it's early teams have decent defenses, I think. But, yeah, right. the, the quarterbacks are certainly nothing impressive here. I With Barkley, I will say, he averaged 3.4 yards per carry, and um, <laughs> <laughs> that that's the kind of, this is the kind of line that he was putting up last season. So <laughs> this looked yeah. different than week one. Uh, we'll see if that's, we'll see what the true, Saquon is is it this game or is it the week one game because most people had kind of locked him in as their number three running back in fantasy after week one and uh, you know mm-hmm. behind only uh, McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor and, and I, I felt like that was a little premature and maybe this game showed why yeah and uh for the receivers real quick I mean there's not a whole lot to talk about here other than you know like Kadarius Tony still seems to be kind of in the doghouse he actually started the game uh, got a couple targets, didn't do anything with them, and then didn't really, you know, see many more. And then Kenny Galladay, I heard something like he cleaned out his locker real quick after, and sounds like he, I don't know, there might be something more there where he's just, I mean, he wasn't involved at all. So he metaphorically you know, Richie, cleaned out his locker in the preseason. <laughs> he yeah. like doesn't, he seemed checked out from day one this year. I know. And it's, I mean, it's Richie James, it's Sterling Shepard. I mean, Sterling Shepard caught six of 34 on 10 targets with no touchdowns. So like, that doesn't really excite you either. So, 
I mean, I'm not I'm not starting any of these guys other than Saquon. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll share my thoughts on Shepard in the waiver wire discussion. He's he's at least in the conversation for me. Okay. Uh, moving on to the Patriots and the Steelers. This was another very defensive game, predictably so. Uh, the Patriots come out on top, seventeen to fourteen. Uh, I mean, the quarterback play in this game was not pretty either. Uh, the Patriots end up getting sort of a fortunate touchdown to Nelson Aguilar to mm. to win the game, but it wasn't a it wasn't a work a thing of beauty, I would say. Um, you know, I, the, the encouraging thing fantasy wise, I think on the Patriots side, well, there's two really. One is the backfield. I mean, with Ty Montgomery on IR, there was not another running back that came into the committee. So that's really good news, both for Ramondre Stevenson and for Damian Harris. Uh, You know, I think um, Stevenson actually played more snaps than Harris, I believe, in this game. Harris had a lot more touches. Um, But the way it's working with the Patriots is not – this isn't your typical committee where they have different roles. Like, they just – switch off drives and they both are going to be doing everything. So that's also pretty good, I think, because that means they're both going to catch passes. They're both going to get goal line work. Maybe neither of them is going to be an RB one with that kind of usage, but they, they could both be uh low end RB two types, um, especially if this team can just be even average offensively, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So we've talked, we've talked about it on the show before, Two-man committee is fine in today's NFL. Like, you'll take that. If it's just two guys, that can definitely work for fantasy. And then the other quick takeaway, Jacoby Myers. It's boring, but, like, he's a PPR guy that you can start as a wide receiver three every week. The Nelson Aguilar game, uh, I don't trust quite as much. Well, let me just tell you something about that Aguilar play. It was, uh, you know, the guys and I were making a lot of bets on on Sunday, and I bet on it was – almost 10 to 1 odds for this game to be tied at halftime. And I said, you know what? This game might be 0-0 at halftime or 3-3. to And sure enough, it was 3-3 to until 22 seconds left and then that crazy play before <laughs> half. And I was like, no. <laughs> I, it was, you know, I had a good read on it. The bet didn't didn't hit, but it was a good read. But that one, that one uh, just crushed my dreams there with you know, destroying my bet. But on the Pittsburgh side, yeah, I mean, Trubisky, again, he's – this offense just isn't really going to do much. Najee Harris is not looking like a top 12 uh, running back, which I know in the preseason you were way down on him. And then I came along for the ride once that Liz Frank foot injury came around. <laughs> I started lowering Najee more and more because I'm just like, I don't know. And like, Yeah, and I'm not even sure this has anything to do with the injury, honestly. I just think that he's no. not a special runner, and this is a really bad offense yeah. with a bad but, offensive I mean, yeah. line. And, you know, it's all yeah. the problems they had last year except – like you knew his usage was going to come down a little bit this year. And it has Jalen Warren is now the kind of backup who plays maybe 25% of the snaps. So it's like a set it's 75, 25 as opposed to 95, five, which is (laughs) what it's typically been for the lead back in, in Mike Tomlin offenses. And Deontay Johnson is still doing his thing. He's getting the targets. Um, He's not doing a whole lot yet. Six catches for 57 yards, but I think you know some touchdowns will come. He might have, or he might end up just having sort of like a DJ Moore type year of the last couple, where he has he maybe racks up the yards and he's like a wide receiver too, but doesn't find the end zone much. That's kind of the way it's at least shaping up with this with this offense not really marching down the field and scoring touchdowns yet. Yeah, that could be. Although I mean, Deontay Johnson, he's he's still a huge target magnet, so I'm uh, Mm -hmm. not sure um, Moore ever quite had the same 
uh, target share that the Johnson's are earning week in and week out. Well, that's true. But Fryermuth also, you know, again, he had a good week one, good solid week two for a tight end. Even though it's just four for 22, he had a touchdown. He had seven targets. You got to chase those targets with the tight ends, and he's producing. So Fryermuth is he's right there in like the top 10, you know, tight end conversation for me. And I was a little too low on him coming into the year based on what he's doing so far. Yeah. He's the one guy that Trubisky seems to have a good rapport with <laughs> for what that, for what that's worth, which isn't, isn't much. Uh, <laughs> yep. Next game, Jaguars 24 Colts zero boy. Unreal. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm someone that's kind of a cheerleader for, for the Jaguars. So I, um, just in terms of fantasy. So I'm, I'm pretty excited with the way James Robinson is looking and Christian Kirk. These are two guys who I've pretty much consistently been higher than the fantasy community consensus on. And it looks to be paying off um, quite handsomely right now in both cases. Um, you know, Robinson is he, I mean, he only averaged 2.8 yards per carry in this game, but he like most of his yards were after contact. I mean, he ran really hard in this game. He also just did what the, he did the yeoman's work. You know, this is, they mm-hmm. won 24, nothing. They wanted to pound the rock with a lead. He, he took the hits. He, um, he played all, you know, uh, the role that they want him to play, which is, um, being, being that between the tackles, uh, guy that they can count on. He'll still catch some passes here and there as well. Um, but, you know, I think he's put some distance between himself and ETN at this point in this committee. Yeah. Um, so he's definitely going to be the one who's higher in my rankings uh, week in and week out until we see uh, a change in usage occur. Absolutely. I mean, we'll see what things, how things look in a month. But if I was do, if I was redrafting right now, I'd definitely draft Robinson first. Um, but you know, there's there's still time for ETN to to get going here. I was. Really excited to see Christian Kirk still, yeah. you know, two touchdowns. I mean, he didn't get have the double-digit targets, but didn't need it uh, to be that productive. I mean, caught all he's, six he's of all, his targets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's right up there too. Like when we talk about Amon Ross St. Brown, um, I, I preliminarily started doing my week three rankings, and I've got Christian Kirk right there at wide receiver twelve, and I might even bump him up a spot or two. Yeah, that I mean, was my guys, favorite thing I did this offseason yeah. trading for him in my dynasty in in our dynasty oh, yeah. league. Uh, you know, it's just the, the Jaguars showed that they want him to be the guy when they paid when they paid him that yep. contract, and he's paired with Trevor Lawrence, who's just going to get better and better. So uh, the arrow is pointing up massively for for Christian Kirk in both redraft and dynasty. Uh, and you, but you know, I was yeah, I, we the were Colts, both man, <laughs> we were both surprised. I mean, but like honestly, a lot of people are not surprised by this. The Colts have struggled in Jacksonville. You know, I mean, it was twenty four nothing was surprising. I mean, it was surprising that. Jonathan Taylor could not get going, you know, nine carries for 54 yards, six, you know, six yards of carry. Like four yards at halftime or something. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, when Matt Ryan has three picks, I mean, and you're turning the ball over, you, it's kind of hard to get the running game going. So that was. Yeah. And they were missing Michael Pittman in this game. They yep. were also missing Alec Pierce, the rookie. So, and they don't, <laughs> beyond that, they have a very dubious uh, collection of pass catchers. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm not, I don't, I don't think it's time to completely give up on the Colts, but they were looking at like a league average kind of offense at best anyway. And I, you know, Matt Ryan has shown some signs of decline over the last few seasons. So uh, we'll have to see, man, this is, this team has a lot to prove. They have the, they're last in the NFL in scoring now after this, uh, putting up this goose egg in week two. So they have, they have a, a, a hill to climb to get back to, respectability on the offensive side of the ball but you know i 
I still think Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman are going to be really good, um, but I'm just not really interested in investing in anything else in this offense right now. Yeah, well, Ashton Doolin, man, I don't know. Like, I think he's, I think he's going to be clearly the number two. I mean, he was the number one with Pittman out, and if Matt Ryan can get going, I mean, they they really they they could use a number two there. You know, T. Y. Hilton's not there anymore, so when was I still the last think Ashton Doolin. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. When was the last time the Colts really had two? like a like high-end fantasy receivers it's this isn't yeah. the, like this is a team that rotates like frank reich loves to rotate everything he rotates the tight ends rotates he, he plays you know other running backs when he has the best running back on the planet he rotates his receivers i i just i think it's going to be frustrating but you know in a deep league sure but i'm not i'm not rushing out to add ashton Doolin. No, he's not going to be at the top of my list when we talk waivers. But. Yeah. <laughs> he's no Christian Kirk. Uh, no. Okay. Another crazy game. Dolphins 42, Ravens 38. Uh, you know, I'm a noted to a skeptic, but he threw for six touchdowns and 469 <laughs> yards in this game. Um, you know, the, the, the Ravens came into this game with a decimated secondary, lots of injuries in their secondary. And the coverage in this game was pretty atrocious. Uh, Tua had a couple deep touchdown passes to Tyree Kill that were actually underthrown, but they were still touchdowns. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I here's what I'll say. I, Mike McDaniel is a really innovative play caller, and he's probably the perfect play caller for Tua because he can scheme ways to for Tua to get the ball to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, where they can, you know, rack up the yards after catch. Uh, it's it, it's the same kind of thing that you see with Shanahan offenses. Like, look at Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Like, he's not a special quarterback, but he's put up good numbers um, because he's been able to get the ball to his receivers where they can run after the catch. And so that's kind of what I think we can we can safely expect from Tua going forward. Um, the the deep ball, though, I mean, he like. I don't think that you're going to be able to count on that against better defenses like or healthier yep. defenses than the Ravens were in this game. Um, I mean, that they really, really <laughs> fell down on the job defensively in the second half to blow this 28-7 uh, halftime lead in this game. Um, so uh, for me, the jury is still kind of out on Tua. Like, if people are taking this game and saying he's, he's now a QB1, I'm not there still. But, yeah. um, but he has... There's no doubt he has a great offensive uh, mind uh, calling the shots, and he's got really uh, impressive weapons to throw to as well. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when we previewed this game, I feel like we we kind of nailed this one aside from – I didn't think it would be this high scoring, <laughs> but I don't know that anybody saw it like that. But we talked about those injuries in the secondary. We talked about, I mean, Ronnie Stanley on the offensive line. They couldn't get the running game going against the Jets. I talked about how Miami was a live dog, and I liked them to win outright. And they did. I mean, they did it – I didn't think they would do it after halftime. I was like, "Wow, that was impressive." But yeah, I mean, this was an this is you know this was kind of the game of the week, right? I think there were a lot of big games, There's a lot and of awesome competition for that title. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think this one. I mean, especially for fantasy, right? If you have Lamar Jackson, if you had Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews bounce back, like all these guys. Um, I, Raheem Mostert, I think you know that's the big thing too out of this for fantasy. Mm-hmm. He kind of overtook Chase Edmonds in this, and I don't know if it was a kind of game specific if it was sort of like he got a little more touches and as they were behind um but we'll see how it how it goes next week I I hope this isn't like a week-to-week thing where next week it's Chase Edmonds and then the week after that it's Mostert I think it might just be Mostert 
um, mm-hmm. while he's healthy. That's kind of what I'm going to think moving forward. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I, Edmonds wasn't that great in week one, uh, so maybe he didn't really earn uh, th- right. that job. And Mostert, you know, I, you and I both are very high on Mostert and have been coming into the season. I, you know, McDaniel really knows Mostert. I mean, he was his his run game coordinator for like three or four years in San Francisco. And then the off his mm-hmm. offensive coordinator last year, of course, most missed all of last year after, uh, from week one on, but, um, but he's very familiar with most he chose to go out and get most for a reason. Uh, you could say the same thing about Edmonds, I guess, but um, you know, they're, they're just different skill sets. Most uh, I think is the better downhill runner. And uh, if in games where they actually run the ball more, which we haven't seen yet. I mean, they both of their first two games have been very pass happy. Um, so the fact that Mostert had a better game than Edmonds, despite it being a game where Tua threw fifty passes, like that's impressive. I mean, Mostert ran past routes in this game, and that's a that's something he never really did in San Francisco. He caught three passes yeah. for twenty eight yards in this game. So, like, I was expecting Mostert to be a viable play just based on rushing uh, potential, but now. He also has a an, a path to maybe chipping in some in the in the passing game as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think Mostert right now. Now it's still early in the year and things can change, but as of right now, I think he looks like a better fantasy option than Edmonds. Yeah, and just one one other thing about the Ravens run game, real quick. I mean, I know we keep talking about J.K. Dobbins. We both like him. We we have him in a couple leagues. I uh, I think this is the week, man. I really do. I think <laughs> if they if he was going to miss a month. I like to think that Harbaugh and the, the team would have been smart enough to put him on the pup list, you know, the short-term <laughs> IR. I think this is going to be the week. And here's the thing. They're traveling to New England. They'll probably ease him in a little bit, but I think the game plan could be very different. You know, I don't think we're going to see Lamar. I mean, Lamar, I'm still going to rank him as probably a top-five quarterback because how could you not right now? But I think we could see, I don't know, 2017, something like that, a game that's a little bit more lower scoring. And, uh, yeah, some – a little bit more from the running game. I think they're going to establish it a little bit once they get Dobbins back, and I think the game plan is going to change up a little bit. Well, maybe. I that Harbaugh just called him week to week. We were texting about yeah. that. <laughs> uh, I, you know, you're assuming rational coaching, uh, which is always <laughs> a dangerous game. I, for my main takeaway on that is until Dobbins is back and actually proves he's healthy and can take on the lead role, I have no interest in the Ravens' running game right now. It's just a complete. Right albatross i dropped Kenyon drake in two leagues uh yep. on sunday even though you know he is theoretically lined up to get another start next week um but he's not being used in a way that's fantasy friendly at all and he doesn't look like he has a lot of juice left in the tank anyway i mean justice hill is getting mixed in mike davis is get you know it's like mike davis is the guy who's probably getting the goal line work and Justice Hill's getting whatever little passing game work there is and Drake's kind of getting the meaningless stuff between the 20s and it's just it's a three-way committee on a team that is not running the ball well at all right now I hope Dobbins is the solution um <laughs> but maybe this team just can't run the ball I don't I don't know that's not I'm not used to saying that about the Ravens but it's been really ugly so far maybe it's just a lack of talent there. Um, so well, I hope come Thursday we are talking about Dobbins in the previews. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you, you, your big picture point is right. All the big names came out to, to play in this game. So uh, yep. if you had multiple players starting in this game, you probably won your fantasy matchup. 
<laughs> uh, next next game, Rams 31, Falcons 27. The Falcons come up just short in their attempt to uh, rewrite their agonizing Super Bowl history and come back from a 28-3 to deficit. <laughs> uh, didn't quite pull it off. Um, Mariota uh, throws an interception to Jalen Ramsey uh, in the waning moments of this game. But, um, you know, uh, I, I would say big takeaways here. Um, Cam Akers, that was surprising. He he reemerged very mm-hmm. quickly. Uh, so, uh, you know, McVeigh really seems like he's going to go with the hot hand in this backfield. Although I will say Henderson was still getting the, the red zone work. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be it, it's going to be hard to figure out how to rank those two until we get uh, a little more of a trend because this was just very different than what we saw in Week One. Um, and Acres was two point nine yards a carry. Longest rush was eight yards. I mean, that's you know that's not great. Kind of like when we were just talking about Saquon. You know, it's like is he is he back to I, like this? Yes, I think it's good that he he got more involved, but I don't know how explosive he is, and I'm definitely still ranking Darrell Henderson higher. Yeah, you know? I will too. But uh, Much but I'm well, I I'm not I'm not probably going to have Henderson ranked as high next week as I had him ranked this week though after seeing uh, Acres get significant run. I mean, in week one. It was really a one-man show, you know. Um, so. Yeah, I guess we could bring them back together a little bit. Um, but they are play; they are going at Arizona in Week Three, and that defense does not look very good. That, so that's true. I, I think I think I'll have I think I'll have Daryl Henderson as like a top twelve running back, and Cam Akers. Maybe I'll bump him up a little more. I think both guys might be viable. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to so. see where I land. I'm not sure I'll have Henderson quite that high. Um, Cooper Cup. What can you say? He's incredible. Yeah. Uh, Allen Robinson had a little bit of a comeback game here, and he actually Woo-hoo! almost caught a second touchdown, but that that one got called back because uh, I guess they they snapped the ball before the referees were ready or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think someone was injured or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. but still, four catches for fifty three yards and a TD. You'll take that. Uh, yep. And Tyler Higby. I mean, well, you know, he's uh, he's getting a lot of targets for a tight end. So seven catches, seventy one yards on nine targets in this one. Yeah, there's no Van Jefferson right now, you know, so like they kind of need that. They they kind of utilize that third target, and Higby's it right now. But yeah, I was really happy to see Allen Robinson bounce back. Uh, yeah, almost had the two touchdowns. Um, when we previewed this game, the one thing on the Falcon side I was somewhat interested in was just seeing if Tyler Algier got a little bit of run, which he did with Damian Williams out for. I think he got put on the pup list. He's didn't on he? IR. So he, yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, this is interesting. Like, I don't know. I don't know if we'll get to him talking waiver wire if he's up that high, but I just. I think it's at least interesting. This is a guy who had a lot of touchdowns uh, last year, I believe, at BYU. So um, it, it, it's at least interesting. And then on the on the receiving end, um, Kyle Pitts continues to not do much. And Drake London had a really nice game, kind of going back to the West Coast where he's from. 12 targets, 8 catches for 86 yards and a touchdown. So mm-hmm. I like to see that for Drake London. Uh, all these rookies, man. We're talking about Garrett Wilson, Drake London. Um, Traylon Burks is uh, Chris you know, having an okay yeah. Yeah, having an okay game tonight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I wrote about London and Wilson together uh, in my in my fantasy pros piece today, and uh, I'm there's reason to be very excited and optimistic about both, but especially London, I would argue, because he has just a lot less competition for targets yeah. uh, than Wilson does, and I'm not panicking about Pitts. I just I wasn't quite as to the moon with him as other people to begin with though you know i i thought it was just a stretch to to consider pitts in the same class as kelsey and mark andrews and uh 
you know, that was just a little bit too much projection for my taste, I guess you could say. Um, but things are going to get a lot better than these first two games. He ran just as many routes as Drake London did. So, uh, you know, I don't think the target distribution is going to skew London's direction like this all season. I think it's going to be pretty evenly split between those two, and they just don't have a lot else beyond those guys. I mean, Cordell Patterson's a good player, but um, they're using him more as a as a rusher than as a as a receiving option uh, right now. So uh, I think there should be enough to go around for, for London and Pitts to both be uh, viable fantasy options. And I think week three could be a get-right game for Pitts. I mean, it's easy to say like that he's going to have a get-right game, but they're playing at Seattle. Jamal, uh, Jamal Adams is out for the year. Uh, so that opens up some things in you know the back of the in, in the, where the safeties room and I don't but I don't know like I, I guarantee you we're going to be getting some questions on Twitter this week you know should I start Pat Fryermuth over Kyle Pitts right uh, <laughs> Gerald Everett you know th- like these are guys who are producing right now and people are going to be worried about starting Kyle Pitts I bet <laughs> I wouldn't do Fryermuth I might consider Everett though <laughs> right I know it's it's kind of crazy to think about but yeah. I mean yeah yep uh, all right next game 49ers yep. twenty seven Seahawks seven Obviously, the big story out of this one is Trey Lance suffers a fractured what, a fractured fibula and fibula. ligament damage out for the season. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who seemed destined to be on a different team for most of the offseason, <laughs> is now back as the starting quarterback for the 49ers, who he led uh, to the NFC Championship game once and to the Super Bowl another time. <laughs> so, I, you know, I think this is pretty... It's pretty easy to know what this means because we've seen this before. We've seen this show mm-hmm. before with San Francisco. I think it raises the floor for all of their pass catchers. Um, I just think it lowers their ceiling maybe, but uh, that's okay. I mean, I think generally speaking, this is actually uh, – I mean, I hate to use these terms when we're talking about a, a, a gruesome injury, but I do think that it actually is probably a net positive for Debo Samuel and George Kittle and especially Brandon Ayuk. Um in, in that passing game and it's probably a yeah. good thing for their running backs too because you know they don't have to worry about Trey Lance stealing any uh, goal line rushing scores agreed I mean all around like it's a total bummer for fantasy I talked up Trey Lance a bunch in the preseason as were a ton of people in the fantasy football community um, and it's a bummer because I won't get to see this year if if I would be right that he might have this top 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 five you know season because week one he played in that monsoon and then it's like all right Let's see what he can do, and then he gets hurt. So it's a total bummer. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Jeff Wilson Jr. had 18 carries for 84 yards. Uh, he was involved in the passing game. He had a couple catches. But uh, Tyrion Davis Price was also heavily involved. But he's got an ankle sprain, high ankle sprain, I believe. So yeah, um, got to think the other rookie uh, Mason's going to get involved next week. But I like this a lot. Or for Marlon Jeff Mack <laughs> could be Marlon Mack. They might promote him. But in any event, I love Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, for the next month or so, as long as he can stay healthy and they don't just keep rotating backs if guys get injured. Yeah, I mean, I had Daryl Henderson ranked ahead of him this last week, but I'll probably have Wilson ranked ahead of Henderson this coming week just because he seems locked in to be the lead back yep. in that Shanahan uh, offense right now. Uh, yeah, the running backs on the other side, yeah. yikes, man. I mean, this is terrible. I think Travis Homer even had the most snaps. Yeah. Or it, I mean, it was terrible. Ken Walker, Kenneth Walker. I don't know what we're calling him these days, Ken or Kenneth or Kenny. We're but... not calling him. Okay. <laughs> we're not calling him. Yeah, he, he had he had his debut, four carries for ten yards. Uh he had a couple catches for five yards. Just but no one no one did anything here for Seattle really, but that's just so disappointing. Um maybe the maybe the San Francisco defense is really good and, and kinda locked him up. I wasn't really that high coming on 
a lot of people had San Francisco as like a top five defense uh, heading into the week, and I wasn't necessarily buying it, but uh, that looked pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's maybe that's just what this was, and maybe they'll get back on the track a little bit. Yeah. It sums up Seattle that they, they had f- all four of their running backs in the backfield for a play that resulted in DJ Dallas throwing an interception in the end zone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just, it's you know, Geno Smith, is it's commendable that he's fighting the good fight, but, I mean... Uh, it you know Lockett came out with nine catches for 107 yards in this game on yeah. 11 targets. That's something I was not expecting to see. Uh, Metcalf only had four catches for 35 yards, but he did have this really incredible long catch that was called back on a uh, very questionable penalty for a lineman being a yard too far downfield. Uh, so mm. um, his his numbers would have looked much better. Otherwise, uh, that's the thing, I guess, with the with the Seahawks, like Metcalf and Lockett, these are really good players. And I, yep. it's like it's always going to be a struggle for them, but they, they're still going to have some big games just because uh, they're such talented players, especially Metcalf, I think. I mean, I know Lockett had the bigger game this week, but I think Metcalf is still going to have some big games going forward. So, um, you know, he he's uh, he's probably a buy low just because you can get him for peanuts right now, I would think. Yeah, and they and they have relatively high floors too because you know we talk about like you know three the three running backs now for Seattle who are involved. Well, for the receivers, it's those two. So there there aren't really a bunch of other guys. Um, even the tight ends, like I don't know, Will Disley, Noah Fant hasn't really been that involved. So they're, they're going to have some of these games like Metcalf just had. But I mean, even then, he's getting you some points, and I think they're both going to produce for you even in those rough weeks. They'll be like a wide receiver three for you. Yeah, I mean it, it's a weird situation, but I I would much rather play the Seahawk receivers than the running backs at this point. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And next week against Atlanta, maybe they can get the run running game going. Yeah, we'll see. Yep. All right, next game: Dallas twenty, Cincinnati seventeen. Not many mm. people saw that coming in Cooper Rush's uh, first start of the season post uh, Dak Prescott's injury. Um, but you know he didn't put up massive numbers, but he played decently and uh maybe the Bengals defense isn't very good either uh yeah you know I, I don't know what else to say I mean CD Lamb is he's gonna get peppered with targets at least his his ceiling is definitely lower now without Dak yeah. in the lineup but he's still gonna be a volume play you know a wide a low-end wide receiver two kind of a play I feel like um sure. Tony Pollard I mean this guy's electric just get him mm-hmm. the ball you know I mean <laughs> It's kind of just like wasting carries on, on Zeke at this point, in my opinion. <laughs> it really is. I know. I mean, people have been saying this for like, it feels like 10 years now. I know it's only been like a year and a half probably, but it just feels like forever, doesn't it? Yeah. And yeah, it's the same year, just different thing. But um, And things yeah, also just keep getting worse for your boy Dalton Schultz. I mean, first he loses Dak. Now he's got yeah. a knee injury of his own to deal with. I know. Yeah, I, I kind of wish I had traded him when I had the chance in that in our dynasty league. Right. But uh, there's still time. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not crazy about him. I'm hoping uh, maybe I'll sell him when Dak comes back and hopefully he's healthy. But yeah, he's he's gonna be on my bench for now for sure. Yeah, I mean, if he's even healthy enough to play, we'll see. There's. Uh, it doesn't sound sure. like he's gonna be out long term, but he could miss a, a, a week or three here. Yeah, um, I was happy to see T. Higgins back. Yeah, uh, you know, me he too. <laughs> six catches for seventy-one yards in that that touchdown grab. They led the led the Bengals with ten targets. Of course, Chase had nine targets himself, but didn't really produce uh, too much. But this is another 
Yeah, this is another team where those two guys are going to eat. I mean, pretty much every week, obviously. Everyone knows that they were drafted as such. So I was happy to see T. Higgins back and healthy. Yeah, Fantasy Pros asked me uh, to name my best buy-low candidate uh, going heading into week two, and I mentioned Higgins because I felt like he was already underrated coming into the season just because he gets that yeah. stigma of being the quote-unquote number two receiver in his offense when in reality uh, – he has had more targets, more catches, and more yards than Chase uh, when they've both been in the lineup uh, over the last year, basically. So, uh, you know, Chase is obviously a special player, and I'm not taking anything away from him, but Higgins is right there. I mean, they're they're literally 1A and 1B. Uh, I think they can both be top 12 fantasy receivers, but people don't generally value Higgins as a top 12 fantasy receiver. You can get him cheaper than that, so... I think he even after this game he might still be a buy low just because as long as Jamar Chase is healthy Higgins is always going to be second fiddle in people's minds and he really shouldn't be. Yeah, and I just want to say one other thing about the Bengals real quick. Hayden Hurst, he was a guy I mentioned if Higgins wasn't going to be active, you might be able to easily find and stash as a last minute replacement. He was third on the team with seven targets. He had just five catches for 24 yards, but I think when you're talking tight end, you really want to see the volume. Um, and so I like seeing that he was third on the team in targets. Yeah, that's interesting that he got so many more targets than Tyler Boyd, who seems yep. to kind of be an afterthought right now, although that could change. And I still feel like Boyd is a interesting uh, handcuff for Chase mm-hmm. and Higgins, or at least someone you would want to have on speed dial. Yep. All right, uh, next game, Broncos 16, Texans 9. <laughs> This game was disappointing for fantasy, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Russell Wilson is just struggling. There were boos raining down on the Broncos' offense in this game. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, their their head coach, doesn't seem ready for primetime, to be honest. I mean, he's made up several very questionable calls already in in just two games in the NFL. He's got a pedigree, you know. I mean, he's – he yeah. comes from the the Packers, where he had a lot of success as an offensive mind. Uh, Wilson obviously has the pedigree and the track record. Um, it's just not working right now, though. And uh, I feel like until we see it work, you have to downgrade all of these Broncos. I mean, Judy also got hurt in this game, and his yep. his status is is questionable moving forward. Um, so Sutton would certainly be a, a strong play if Judy's out. He's seems to be the better play than Judy anyway. But, um, you know, beyond Javante Williams and uh, and Sutton and, you know, maybe Gordon if they have a really favorable matchup, um, it's tough right now with the Broncos. Yeah, and I am, like I was going to say, I'm not going to downgrade Sutton, especially if Judy's, uh, you know, missing but with an injury. But Javante, yeah, they're playing San Francisco next week. So I'm going to drop on Sunday Night Football. So I'm going to drop him down. A bit, you know, he was inside my top 10. Um, yeah, especially after he had all those receptions week one. I think he just had what, one catch. He did have four so. targets, though, which isn't bad yeah, for running back. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to lower him uh, until, but yeah, Sutton, I'll, I'll leave up. And then, you know, Rex, Rex Burkhead, your boy, he didn't, uh, they gave Damian Pierce the ball a little bit more on the Texans side. So Lovey Smith kind of did what he said he would, gave the rookie some, you know, 15 carries. He had 69 rushing yards. Um, he had just the one catch, you know, one target. Rex Burkhead was a little bit more involved in the passing game, like you would expect. But yeah, Pierce got a little bit more of the of the work here. Yeah, this was the game that like they they basically used the backs the way that I expected them to use them in mm-hmm. week one. <laughs> you know, right. it, like 
Burkhead was the clear back in the two-minute drill and in third-down situations, and Pierce was the the main rusher and early down back. So I think that's the way it will be, and I think that it's going to come down to game script, which of these guys ends up being better. I mean, that they lost this game, um, but it was it was a defensive slugfest, and the, the Texans actually led this game at the end of the third quarter. So, uh, they, you know, they, they this was a run running game heavy script game script uh i'm not Mm -hmm. sure it will always be that way um i mean the texans were projected to have a bad defense this year uh the question i guess is is the texans defense better than we thought or is the broncos offense worse than we thought (laughs) because (laughs) that you know certainly their defense looked good in this game um but you know russell wilson was missing so many throws so it's really hard to make too many judgments about that quite yet did want to mention Nico Collins did bounce back a little bit after a kind of a slow week one, and he had nine targets. Brandon Cook had Brandon Cooks had ten targets, but Collins had just a few more yards than Cook. So you know, nice I love to see Collins. Nico. Yeah, so nice to see Nico up there. It, that we kind of expected that to be sort of the one-two punch there, and in week one it was sort of like, huh, Nico Collins wasn't really involved. OJ Howard had those couple touchdowns, you know, and that was a little fluky. Um, but yeah, Nico Collins looks like he's probably the number two there to Cooks. Yeah, I mean, I'm still waiting to see the Texans <clears throat> actually get going with their passing game, though. I mean, Davis Mills has not done a lot so far this season. And I was thinking yep. that he would kind of be sort of like Jared Goff, where he'd get in some garbage time uh, passing stats. And that's where I really saw Nico potentially being an interesting option just because he is the clear number two receiver in this in this passing game. So if they can get that offense going a little more, I'll feel more confident. Right now, Nico is more of a wait and see for me. Yep, I agree. All right. Uh, now we got that game we talked about at the top, the crazy Cardinals-Raiders <laughs> game. Cardinals win 28-9 to 23. In overtime, uh, they tie it up at the end of the game with a just crazy uh, Kyler Murray run running back and forth across the field eight times <laughs> I, I saw <laughs> I saw on Twitter someone put that to the Benny Hill music and it was perfect nice. that is awesome. <laughs> um, and then he throws this uh this two-point conversion to AJ Green that somehow comes down with it in the back of the end zone um and then the game ends on Hunter Renfro he fumbles once and they recover it the Raiders recover it and then two plays later he fumbles again <laughs> and the Cardinals recover it and take it to the house for the the game winning touchdown in overtime just a bonkers bonkers game maybe maybe Dolphins Ravens was the best game for fantasy but this game was the most jaw dropping in my opinion <laughs> yeah i know especially with the Raiders being up 20 to nothing at halftime i mean i'm it's i know it's it's nuts man uh I'm looking at looking at the box score on this one, and like I said, I have seen some. I saw the the Kyler running around. I saw the the last play of the game when it happened. So, but I haven't seen uh, all of the highlights from some of the four o'clock games. But yeah, looking at Ertz and Marquise Brown leading the team, each of them had eleven targets each. So, I'd like to see that. It was it's kind of strange on you know the Las Vegas side to me how Devontae Adams you know got going early, uh, had that early touchdown, and then just nothing. Re- you know, he had seven targets but just couldn't get going. And I don't know if he was just like shadow coverage by someone or what what's going on there i don't know if you have any insight into that but a little surprising to see Devonte not having a little bit bigger game because i know he got that basically all of his you know production in the first quarter yeah that i think that just will happen sometimes i mean he did get yeah. in the end zone so it wasn't a disaster for fantasy but uh i'm not really reading too much into that i i still i think maybe if people were a little too overboard on adams after week one they could be too down on him after this week i think 
the, the the truth is in between. I mean, he's he's a clear top ten fantasy wide receiver. One of, and on a pure ability level, he's arguably number one. But uh, you know, he's I I don't think he's going to be quite as as good with Derek Carr as he was with Aaron Rodgers. So there will be maybe more games like this than there were uh, during his Packer days. But he's still he's still going to be <laughs> hard to rank outside of your top five most weeks. Yeah. Um, James Conner left this one with an injury, right? Yeah, so yep. I know we'll probably we might talk that we might talk the Cardinals running backs when we get to waiver wire, but Darrell Williams was the one to find the end zone, and you know James Conner is a guy who I like to bet every week to find the end zone, and I did, and I was sad to see him leave this game with an injury. Yeah, I think Conner. It sounds like the injury is not serious. It was an ankle injury. Uh, he stayed in uniform for the whole game. He was out celebrating with uh, his teammates on the field when they won the game, and okay. he was in the locker room after the game and. Uh, yeah, the reports have come in that it's it's not too serious. So, you know, I don't think we can take for granted that he'll play next week, but I would be surprised if he missed more than a week at most uh, with yep. this injury. Um, it, it was a pretty even committee between uh, Daryl Williams and Eno Benjamin once Connor was out. It seems like Williams would be the more likely one to get goal line work and, and early down work, and Benjamin would be more, more used in the passing game. So it might come down to, like, PPR versus standard, which one would be the better pickup, but... Um, Again, if Connor's fine, then then it's it's sort of a moot point. Um, I, I would say Ertz, yeah. I mean, I think he's like a top 10 tight end at this point. Uh, Marquise Brown, you know, he's just never really profiled as a true alpha receiver. And I, I almost feel like he might benefit from uh, DeAndre Hopkins being back more than it would hurt him. Just because yeah. getting that, you know you know, number one receiver treatment, um, it might expose some of the limitations in his game a little bit. And, uh, right. So and, if if Hopkins get a little more attention, Marquise can get you know get downfield for some of those deep. Calls. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And Greg yep. Dorch, let's give him a shout out, man. That guy is like deep league <laughs> PPR uh, <laughs> dynamo. And maybe you know this sounds crazy, but I don't know that Rondell Moore gets that job back from Greg Dorch if he keeps playing like this because uh, yeah. Dorch is playing well. Yeah, he is. And uh, real quick on the on the uh, Raiders, one other thought: uh, the backfield. It's not a committee at all. Uh, Josh Jacobs is owning this backfield for what it's worth. Uh, Zamir White is barely a rumor at this point. And, um, you know, Amir Abdullah took over the passing down work theoretically with uh, Brandon Bolden out for this game, but he had one target. (laughs) So uh, really, you know, Jacobs is still not being used in the passing game, which is going to limit his upside, but uh, he is going to get virtually all of the rushing work, at least for now. But you know what? That makes me like Zamir White even more as a high upside handcuff. Because I actually think if Jacobs goes down for an injury, you'll need that injury. But I think Zamir White could be one of those types that's like Alexander Madison, right? Where you know he's going to go in and get that Except work. that he's not going to be the three-down guy like Alexander Madison. Because the Josh yeah. McDaniels was, is always going to have uh, some Amir Abdullah type coming in and ruining it. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> All right, final game. Packers 27, Bears 10. Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears, so yes. Yep. He, I, you know, I was actually disappointed because I have Aaron Rodgers in one league, and he his first uh, Aaron Jones's first touchdown was on a. Uh, mm-hmm. It was deemed a lateral. It was basically directly um, horizontal to the line of scrimmage, but it was initially ruled a touchdown pass for Rodgers, and then the scoring was changed. Uh, yep. So that's always frustrating for, for fantasy. And Mike Tirico, I think, gave a little nod to that on the broadcast. He did. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Rodgers was fine. Um, Aaron Jones was terrific. 
Uh, they didn't really need A.J. Dillon a whole lot in this game, which I, I thought maybe he would have a bigger game just because you knew they were going to be playing with a big lead. But uh, it turns out that Jones's rushing style just seemed to um, exploit the Bears better than, than Dillon's. Like, Dillon was running between the tackles, and there wasn't a ton of room there, whereas Jones was just taking it out outside of the tackles and uh, outrunning their guys to the sideline. And that's where a lot of his big plays came from in this game. Yep, and on the Bears side, I'll just say, like, I'm I'm benching, you know, if I have Darnell Mooney, if I have Cole Komet, I already benched Cole Komet. Um, I don't think I started Darnell Mooney anywhere. I probably did, like, the wait and see, although I might not even have him. But in any event, I'm lowering those guys a ton. They are not startable until you can see more than Justin Fields throwing more than 11 passes <laughs> yeah. in a game. I mean, and, you know, Justin Fields is still borderline startable just for the rushing upside. Like, he did score. He's going to rush a little bit, but, like, and the Packers' defense is good. So I still like Justin Fields as, like, a QB2. Um, there's going to be weeks, I think, maybe not next week, but we'll we'll be starting to talk Justin Fields like, okay, we might rank him as a top 12 uh, quarterback some weeks, I think, coming up. But Yeah, he better – we'll see. I mean, he needs to throw more than – like you said. Like, yeah. I mean, he threw 17 passes in week one, and it was like, okay, is that because there was a monsoon? Uh, but what was the excuse in this game? I, I know. I mean, the Bears are just a really – painful offense to watch right now but i i agree i mean fields has finished as the qb 23 and the qb 24 over the first two weeks just because of that rushing uh, that he brings mm-hmm. to the table so he is still a qb2 i agree i think he can probably move up a few spots from there but I, i'm going to need to see a lot more dynamic aspect to this offense before i consider him in my top 12 absolutely yeah um any other thoughts? I mean, the, the Packers receivers are still kind of hard to uh, gauge. Uh, Sammy Watkins seems to be the guy that Rodgers has the most trust with right now. But Lazard, this was his first game back, and he did catch a touchdown. So I, I would say those two right now seem like the most reliable options if you have to start a Packer. But it's you're, you're really talking a, a kind of dice roll wide receiver three flex type. Yeah, I was hoping that we'd have a little more clarity after a couple of weeks. But yeah, no one had more than four targets in this game. They didn't really need to, right? I mean, they Aaron. It was the Aaron Jones show, like you were saying, and the Packers. It was this game was never in question. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens next week against Tampa. You know, Tampa's going to be the favorite in that game, so I think Packers are going to have to throw a little bit more. So I think after week three, we're going to see. Okay, does Romeo Dobbs get seven or eight targets? Right? Is it Sammy Watkins? Um, is it Alan Lazard? Because this was his first game back after an injury, and he did score. But, yeah, I, I think next week we might see, like, Lazard and Dobbs both with, like, six or seven targets, and things might become a little more clear. That's kind of what I'm thinking. We'll see. I, yeah. I, I will also give a quick shout-out to David Montgomery. He had 15 carries for 122 yards in this game, also caught two passes for 14. So maybe the demise of David Montgomery was was somewhat exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to talk some waiver work? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All, All right. right, let's start out at quarterback. And who would be, we're, as a reminder, this is players who are rostered in 50% or fewer of Yahoo leagues. Uh, so why don't you start us off? Who is your top quarterback pickup of the week? Okay, well, I mean, we talked about Carson Wentz, and he's, you know, borderline right there. I think he's all the, he's up to 52% now that probably there's people, you know, getting who have, like, free-range waivers. But he's right around 50. He's, he's available in a lot of we- leagues when you consider – most leagues are one QB leagues. And so, I mean, I don't have a whole lot more to say that forces what we did. I think Wentz could be that Blake Bortles type this year who's, you know, just gets some garbage time. He's he's spreading it around. It doesn't really matter uh, who he's throwing to. He's making a lot of plays. So 
Um, there might be some bad weeks, but I think Wentz is a guy that I um, might even consider streaming over Tom Brady this week. So mm-hmm. I might actually even pick him up in a league. Yeah. I, so for me, it's really down to you could go with Wentz. I I still think Jameis Winston is probably if I'm looking for a rest of season starter, I think he's still the choice. Uh, I just I, it's hard to it's hard to deny what Wentz has done so far in these first two games. It just seems like he's putting up you know pinball machine numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. So I can definitely see that. Although he he's going up against Philly and they're they're actually doing a pretty nice job against Kirk Cousins tonight. So yeah, um, that's something to take into account. Um, you know, Jared well, Goff Winston's is another interesting too. option because he's going against Minnesota, who is getting lit up by uh, Jalen Hurts tonight. So, <laughs> and, yeah. and Goff is coming off a four touchdown game. So, uh, I think it's going to be a, a season long debate the, the Wentz versus Goff <laughs> uh, debate. I, I tweeted about that on uh, before that game. Um, and I said I was, I was favoring Goff in that game. Uh, I think Wentz may have ended up, uh, surpassing him in, in all that garbage time at the end but they're both uh they're both intriguing options at this point yeah winston for me i know you're a Jameis guy we've talked about him a lot um the back injury concerns me a little bit you know he's dealing with some fractures in his back uh he you know he's obviously coming off a rough game but the tampa defense is really good i mean james is going to have some some weeks where he has two or three picks that's going to happen but you know we saw chris olave looking good michael thomas looks good so i like his weapons so I'm with you there. I have Winston as my number two quarterback. I actually think Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, I have him. We, we, we talked about San Francisco. I think he could step right in and, and elevate, at least for fantasy, um, some of these guys like Kittle when he's back. And Ayuk for sure. And Debo, we'll see. I mean, Debo, you know, he'll get some rushing too. But, yeah, I like I like Garoppolo as my, like, number three uh, quarterback. Yeah, I have available. him fourth behind uh, Wentz, Winston, and Goff. I, I think, I mean, Garoppolo, I mentioned it. He was the QB 17 last year. So uh, he's a mid-range QB two. If, you, if he has a really favorable matchup, I could see him as a streamer. He's at Denver this week, though. So that's always a tough place to play. Um, so I'm not sure I would w- love streaming him this week. Uh, but... I guess the real question with all these guys is, do you play them over a Tom Brady? Do you play them over an Aaron Rodgers? Uh, do you, I'm trying to think what other uh, top quarterbacks um, have been kind of struggling to start the year. Um, yeah, Joe Burrow, I mean, yeah. has, has struggled a little bit. Yeah. You're probably not <laughs> Russell Wilson. Right, and if you drafted Dak, you're, <laughs> you're looking around. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like there are some of these uh, – quarterbacks where you you thought you had a clear starter going into the season and now you're scrambling a little bit um I I still would have a hard time starting any of these guys though over a Rodgers or a Wilson or a uh a Brady I I don't know I just maybe if they had like a really great matchup but I'm not sure any of these really qualify as a terrific matchup yeah it does it does feel a little icky even though in week three and the other guy I'll just mention here who will round out my top five available is Tannehill who's not looking great against the Bills, but the Bills are really good, <laughs> a really good defensive team. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give him a, a little break. We've seen Tannehill be a top 10 quarterback, I think, each of the last two years. You know, he's he's had some rushing touchdowns. He's got a little bit of upside there. Um, I think, you know, he'll start getting things going with these new guys, with Woods, with Burks. Um, so I think, you know, give these guys some time to come together, kind of like the Bengals. Like, they're 0-2, but, like, that offensive line is new. Like, sometimes some units need to kind of come together a little bit, and I think Tannehill's a guy who – Rest of season, I don't know if I'm going to start him like week three, but for rest of season, I think he's he should be rostered in more than 19% of Yahoo leagues. 
Yeah. I my so my fifth guy is Marcus Mariota, who I, I essentially think he's kind of like a poor man's Justin Fields, basically. <laughs> you know, like yeah. he's gonna get there with the rushing into into that top twenty four most weeks. Um I actually probably would prefer him over Justin Fields right now as a starter because he's playing better. Um yeah. but uh yeah, I mean I, the thing about Mariota to me is like he's a he's a great like QB two in a super flex league, like you can, or not a great one, but like a perfectly fine one that you can get cheap. Um, but I don't really see a path to him being a top 12 guy. So that's why, um, you know, if you're, if you're playing the streaming game, he doesn't really factor in. Okay. Any other QBs you want to talk about? No, let's move, move on, on to running back. We got, we got a lot of running backs and a lot of receivers, especially to discuss this week. Um, sure. So running back, you know, We've, we've talked about Raheem Mostert. I think he's the number one pickup this week. It's not quite as strong a, a week for running backs as it was last week when you could pick up uh, Jeff Wilson or maybe even Daryl Henderson uh, in some leagues. Uh, so, But I think Mostert is uh, a guy that I already felt like <laughs> belonged on fantasy rosters even before last week, and now I think it's kind of a no-brainer for him to be the number one pickup. Yep, I would agree. He's my number one. He's, in, he's 43% rostered, but... For all the reasons we've already said, totally agree. Um, number two is where it gets a little trickier for me because, honestly, if it were me and Brian Robinson Jr. was still available, he's 47%. I, I, I would have him on an IR. Like, I don't see why he's not rostered and stashed. Maybe a lot of leagues don't have IR spots. Right. Um, but he needs to be – I mean, he's out there practicing. He could be back week five. And Antonio Gibson, I watched a lot of that Washington-Detroit game, pretty much all of it, um, on Sunday. And he just couldn't find space, um, didn't look great. I think Brian Robinson would be a breath of fresh air in this offense. So stash him. Yep. I have him as my number two pickup as well. Uh, Third is Khalil Herbert, 48% rostered. Um, I mean, Montgomery had a really good game last week, but I still feel like this is a backfield that could shift over, over the course of the season. I I, like Herbert could continue to make inroads there. And, um, you know, I, he also obviously has the handcuff, um, upside as well but uh but i i I like to look at running backs who you can see multiple paths to value where it's they could do it through an injury to the starter but they could also just do it by earning more reps and i think that's kind of the situation with herbert well that's what james cook is doing right now as we're recording (laughs) he's getting the isaiah pacheco week one treatment you know he's in there uh in a blowout and he's my number four he's 47 percent roster what's he doing i got him in dynasty i'm excited now yeah, no, I mean, he's just, I mean, he's on this drive. They're getting, I mean, I'm just looking on my phone because I couldn't get my TV to work, but <laughs> the, he's in there. They're they're in the red zone um, with under two minutes to go. Uh, it's third down. He's been getting a bunch of rushes, so he's just, he, he hasn't been involved in the pass game, but what seems to be happening is he's just kind of in there in garbage time, but still like to see it, like to see him in the game. And this is this is a guy that I think could, again, find find his way one way or another, you know, to get in and there's there's multiple paths for James Cook to you know be fantasy relevant. Yeah, I agree with that for sure because the 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 um the Bills don't really have. I mean, Singletary is fine, but he's not the he's not like the kind of guy that you you can't take out of the lineup. You know, so yep. Um, so yeah, I like that a lot uh, as a stash um, for Cook, and then some other high upside stashes. You just mentioned Pacheco. I think he's a guy you can still stash. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rashad White is another one. These are just like guys you're not going to be starting right now, but that like if you anyone that's on your bench, like if you don't need to start them, and we're not in the bye weeks yet, like 
stash upside guys. You know what I mean? Like don't stash like uh, Kenyon Drake, you know, stash a guy that yeah. can actually potentially turn into an every week RB two if things break right for them. And I feel like guys like Rashad White, Pacheco, James Cook fit that bill. Totally agree. If you have Kenyon Drake, 100% drop him for Rashad White. Like the fact coming into the season, I was down on Rashad White because I was like, it's going to be Keyshawn Vaughn week one. He's going to be the backup. You know, it's Brady. It's a rookie. He won't be able to pass protect. But week one, week two, Rashad White is in there giving Fournette some breathers. He's the first guy in. So that is a guy you want. Yep. And then beyond that, you know, we talked about the the Cardinals backs. I mean, if, if we find out that Connor is going to be out, then I would be okay stashing a Daryl Williams or a Nino Benjamin. Like I said, standard, I'm probably going for Williams. PPR, I might go for Benjamin, but um, it's going to be a committee if if Connor misses time. So the upside's limited there. Yeah, I think Tyler Algier is interesting. I know we talked about him. But he didn't do a whole lot. You know, it was like ten carries for thirty yards or something. But I just feel like while Damian Williams is out on the injured list, like he's got this opportunity right now. So I think he's an interesting one that probably a lot of people aren't looking to get because it's like, well, he didn't do much. It was the Rams, but he's playing against Seattle this week, and I remember last year like. People ran over Seattle, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Tyler Algier have an okay game this week. So don't be a week late. I think he would be a good stash. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, he did get double-digit carries, so that's... Yeah. I just, I don't know how um, effective that Atlanta offense is going to be, where where it's like, yeah. you know, you're dying to do it. And I also think Cordero Patterson is just generally underrated, so I don't think he's giving up that starting job um, without a fight. Um Jalen Warren, another one to look at. Like we said, mm-hmm. he's kind of built a little bit of a role um, in that offense, getting about a quarter of the snaps uh, from Najee Harris. And Harris just always seems like he's dealing with something. <laughs> I just don't know how much upside Warren will have just based on the state of that offense. But, um, you know, I if, if Harris were to get hurt, I don't know for sure that they would continue to rotate in another back with Warren because they don't – they don't really have anyone else that's – I mean, Benny Snell is just such a jag, you know? So Absolutely. Um, so I could see Warren getting a lot of work uh, if something happened to Harris. And then, you know, there's other guys you can stash for upside. Um, same kind of thing, like a Samad J.P. Ryan, Matt Breida. I mean, they need an injury above them to, to matter. But if you're in a deep league, you could look at them. Uh, and I guess Mark just, Ingram is, is the other guy to talk about. Um, you know, but he, him and Drake are more like if you desperately need a, a plug and play for next week, and there's not a lot of options. Did you mention Jordan Mason there talking about some of the rookies? Oh, I didn't actually. I, I hadn't updated yeah. this list after the Tyrion Davis Price news. I initially had him quite high in my in my rankings. Yeah, so I think that's a good one. Honestly, honestly, like because if Jeff Wilson goes down, he might be just instantly have this opportunity. Um, if Marlon Mack is the only other guy really that they have. <laughs> yeah, but Mack could just as easily get that opportunity. You know, I don't, true. I, I don't yeah, know. True. I mean, I think Shanahan, it's going to come down to how much does he, he, how much does he trust Jordan Mason? Cause uh, Mason can play special teams, which is why he was active in week one over Tyrion Davis mm-hmm. price. But then he didn't, he didn't get any offensive snaps either week. So I, you know, I think we still have to see whether, whether he's going to get that opportunity or Mac will um, to play yeah. behind Jeff Wilson. So we'll have to keep an eye on that week three. Yeah, um, we're getting pretty low here. So how about we go to some wide receivers? Yes, I, I actually think this is a very intriguing week for wide receiver pickups, but it's sort of hard to figure out who because <laughs> there's so many different <laughs> options, you know. Um, Absolutely. I, I feel agree. like Michael Gallup is probably flying under the radar, but it sounds like there's a chance he could be back this week. And 
you know, you're not going to be like thrilled to start him uh, with Cooper Rush, but I think he could still be. Um, I mean, Noah Brown actually did pretty well with Cooper Rush, and I feel like Gallup would take his role. So, um, you know, they might work him in. I wouldn't start him in, in week three, if, even if he plays, but uh, second half of the season, he could be like an every week wide receiver three, if not even a wide receiver two once Dak is back. Well, is he your number one? Because, I mean, for me, it's got to be Garrett Wilson, honestly. like Garrett I, Wilson's the, my number two. Yeah, I mean, I think Gallup, it's a it's a good call. Like, I think I think if you want to, it depends on, if, like, what you want, right? Because, yeah, like, if you want someone who can explode, I mean, Garrett Wilson, I mean, Jahan Dotson, I mean, we've got some rookies to talk about who have the upside, right? And mm-hmm. I think I would rather take a shot on a Garrett Wilson as my number one. He's only 23% rostered. But after that big game, I mean, he's going to be who everyone's going for. People are going to be spending the fab on him. So, yeah, I, I mean, if- that's the thing. I like I, I have him as my number two just because I feel like he's such a great talent that um, I want to bet on talent. But he's still playing the third most snaps in that offense. I mean, Corey Davis is not going away, and yeah. Elijah Moore is not going away. Tyler Conklin gets used a lot for a tight mm-hmm. end. Joe Flacco is the quarterback or Zach Wilson, no matter what, it's not going to be, you know, Joe Burrow or something or Justin Herbert, you know? So, I mean, the, the odds are stacked against Wilson. I, he is such a dynamic player that I, I, like I said, I, I would love to have him on my roster, but I do feel like he's the kind of player that um, could get overbid on in fab because you could easily see next week. He just puts up two catches for 15 yards, you know? Yeah, I guess if there's a lot of leagues out there too who just have waiver running waivers too. So if you have like the top waiver priority, um, I would put it on Garrett Wilson for me. You know, if it, if you're not if you're not having to spend like forty percent of your fab uh, to get a guy, because yeah, I probably wouldn't spend that. I might spend fifteen or twenty. Uh, so yeah, I probably wouldn't get him for that. Yeah, right? <laughs> I feel like you can get Gallup for less than Wilson, and I I just yep. I mean for me Gallup has got a pretty clear path to being a reliable fantasy option in the second half of the season. So it, it will require some patience, but um, I don't know. I think he's an intriguing pickup. Uh, okay. Then Jacoby Myers, like we talked about, he's boring, but if you play in full PPR, like I, thir- he's only rostered 35% of Yahoo leagues, which I don't know what percent of Yahoo leagues are PPR, but that I, I would guess there's more PPR leagues than non PPR. And that rate seems pretty low to me. I feel like Yahoo might be half as the standard and ESPN's full. Mm, so okay. that might make a little more sense um, if that's the case. Yeah. But yeah. I'm, I have Jacoby Myers as like my number three as well. I, I actually have Jahan Dotson for the similar reasons to Garrett Wilson's just because like, I don't know. I, I want to get that upside. This is where like in week one, week two, you, you've seen these guys like kind of like hit. And so you don't want to miss out on guys especially if they have like a first round pedigree so yep i just feel like now's the chance to just jump on one of those guys yeah no i agree i I also think it really is format dependent like if you say you play in like a ppr league where you have to start like multiple flex spots and three wide receivers like jacoby myers is valuable in that format you know but if you play in like a standard league with two running backs two receivers one flex like and a bunch of bench spots like that's where you want to be stashing a Garrett Wilson or a Jahan Dotson because you're looking mm-hmm. for a guy that can actually overtake one of your starting wide receivers, and they have to be really good to do that. So you, yep. you definitely want to shoot for upside in those type of formats. Yep, that's a good point. Yep. Um, Nico Collins, it's similar. I mean, I to me, like he's in that same conversation with Garrett Wilson and Jahan Dotson, and so is Traylon Burks. Uh, like 
all four of those guys, like you could see a path to them being really valuable. And Josh Palmer too. Uh, you know, I mean, we'll see how, if, if Keenan Allen comes back this week, but um, even if he does, I mean, that's just one of the best passing games in the league. And Palmer at the very least would be a handcuff to, to both Keenan Allen and to Mike Williams, who both uh, have, you know, dealt with some bumps and bruises over the years. So, um, so he's another intriguing upside play. Yeah, and you mentioned Traylon Burks. Did want to point out he did lead the, the Titans in targets tonight. He had six targets. Uh, Robert Woods had five. He only Traylon only had four catches for forty-seven yards. But that's not still too bad, he though. led all receivers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could. I still think like he by the end of the year, it seems like a good chance he's going to be their number one receiver. So uh, he's a guy that you could play. He's like a boomer bust wide receiver three flex right now, but. Later in the year, he could he could work his way into wide receiver two uh, yeah. category. I think if you're looking for just like a one week plug and play, uh, you could probably get Russell Gage really cheap. He's forty percent uh, rostered, and I think you know if Mike Evans is out, Brady's going to need someone to throw to. Julio Jones is not guaranteed to be back. This might like like I said, this might be Russell Gage might be the number one receiver uh, that he might get ten targets in this game. He might not or Brashad like, Perryman. <laughs> yeah, could be. Yeah, that's could the be. problem. I mean, Perryman played. Um, just as much as Gage and actually I think had more targets in that game. So it's, it's hard to say. Um, Sterling Shepard, I I think one week, you know, Sterling Shepard is the number one receiver for the giants for what that's worth right now. Um, Isaiah McKenzie is another guy who you'd like to see him get a few more snaps, but kind of like Josh Palmer, just in such a great offense that like he can pop up for a big game, uh, even with limited opportunities. Yeah, and I mentioned Marquez Valdez-Scantling when we were talking about the Chiefs. I, I, I still like his potential rest of the season. Uh, like I said, I, I cut him in one league. I picked him up in a couple or, or kept him in a couple. I might try to pick him back up in the league I cut him in, honestly, because I really still just want to wait and see. Just like with the Packers, we haven't really seen it totally shake out. Yeah, and I'll say um, if if Jerry Judy ends up missing time, KJ Hamler could be an, a, mm. a sneaky pickup because he missed last week's game, um, but – I don't know. Nathaniel Hackett kind of described it as like maintenance because he had uh, mm-hmm. surgery uh, over the offseason and was kind of working his way back. So um, it sounds like they just kind of gave him the week off. <laughs> they, they maybe just thought they didn't need him um, against the Texans with uh, Sutton and Judy both healthy. But now that Judy is hurt and they played pretty poorly offensively again, um, I wouldn't surprise me to see Hamler uh, get worked in this week. Yep. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm good with that for receivers if you want to do tight ends. Yeah, let's move on to tight ends. Um, so, you know, a couple guys that are rostered more than 50% of Yahoo leagues, but uh, would be the top pickups, in my opinion, if they're available. Tyler Higby's at 67%. Like we were saying before, he's the de facto number three uh, re- uh, receiver in the Rams' high-octane passing game right now. So mm-hmm. that's, I mean, he's, get, he's a good bet to get double-digit targets any given week right now. Um, and then Gerald Everett, who we also talked about, the other L.A. tight end, um, really stepped up with Keenan Allen out. But even with once Allen's back, I think uh, there's a lot of opportunity for him. He's 57% rostered. So uh, those those two should definitely be uh, rostered if they're not. And then who would you who would you put after that? After that, it gets a little tough. Um, I mentioned last week Logan Thomas yep. was was not. Uh, rostered enough he's 14 percent rostered and you know he's he had a touchdown uh this week basically everyone you wanted for washington if you rostered them they got it you know the, the people who you wanted got touchdowns uh for washington so 
I like him as my next guy. And then your boy Irv Smith Jr. just caught a touchdown tonight yeah. for the game that's still going on. So, <laughs> you know, he only has two catches for four yards, but he's probably going to be like a top 12 tight end this week. <laughs> Yeah, with the touchdown, I I have that same order. I have Logan Thomas and then Irv Smith, um, then Robert Tunyon. He yep. he had a quiet week, but you still see the potential with that wide receiver core is so muddled, and anyone catching passes from Aaron Rodgers has to be interesting. Uh, and then Hayden Hurst, who I, you were talking about earlier, uh, it's yep. just a, a good offense to be invested in. I, I mean, the Bengals haven't typically had a dependable tight end um, with Joe Burrow, but uh, if if Hurst is really um, stepping in front of Tyler Boyd as the third option, then that that could be pretty huge. Yeah, and you just I'll, I'll mention a couple more. I mean, you mentioned Tyler Conklin. Yeah. Uh, I have him next. I mean, he's he's barely rostered, but like Flacco's Same. throwing him the ball. Uh, he's involved in this offense. And then Isaiah Likely for Baltimore. I mean, Mark Andrews had a good game, but Isaiah Likely was still involved. He very well might be like the number three option in the past game after Bateman and Andrews. So Yeah, and they might be a much more pass-happy offense than we would have expected coming into the season. I mean, they, yeah. the whole thing with the Ravens was that they wanted to get back to their 2019 roots and run the ball. And uh, they haven't been able to run the ball at all. So they're, they've been passing a ton in these first two games. But most people most people only roster one tight end. So I think the guys we talked about at the top, like the LA guys, right? Everett and Higby. I mean, those are the no-brainers, I think, if they're available. I, I would put in a bid for them. Because you're, you're probably dealing with someone who's not performing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I'll just throw out a few defenses and kickers real quick. You can, too, if sure. you want to, but we'll keep it quick. Uh, Dallas, I mean, they're just a really good defense, and they, they're not that highly rostered because they've had bad matchups the first two weeks, but they've still done well with those matchups, and now they get the Giants. So they're they're mm-hmm. definitely my number one uh, pickup of the week and on defense. And then I'll take either side of that uh, Seahawks-Falcons game. I think that should be a, a low-scoring game. Uh, and also the Chiefs. I mean, they're they're facing that Colts team that's really struggling. So um, I think they're a decent option as well as, again, either side of the Texans and Bears game you could look at as well. Well, I'll throw the Eagles out too because they're, uh, they're keeping the, the Vikings, you know, pretty honest here, not letting them do very much, which I'm, I'm a little surprised. I thought this would be a little bit more of a shootout, closer game. And then they play Washington at Washington next week. And while I do like Carson Wentz to be a potential streamer, I also like him to turn the ball over sometimes. Yeah. So, it, you know, so. That's a good point. Yeah. Yep. yep. And then kickers, you know, Dustin Hopkins with, with the uh, Chargers is only 45% rostered and gets Jacksonville. So that seems like a plumb spot. Uh, Jake Elliott, we were just talking about the Eagles, and uh, he's he's a pretty good kicker. So they they should be able to, t- to uh, beat Washington, and he should get some field goals. Um, Cade York against Pittsburgh just I, I I think the Browns will play with a lead in that game and play it rather conservatively so I could see him kicking some some field goals as well I like having I like having a kicker in the Thursday night game to be honest too I like getting some points on the board I like going into Sunday you know get your fantasy team get some points get some momentum you know yeah although I, I go the opposite because I like to use that spot to like stash somebody <laughs> so oh, that's true so I don't like having to lock in my kicker early but I might make an exception for kid York okay. Probably not, but (laughs) (laughs) all right. That's, I think, I think that about covers everything. Um, We will be back on Thursday night to do previews of all of the week three games. And we will have our rankings up on our site, rosrankings.com by midweek or before the end of the week. 
Um, we are also both available to answer your start sick questions, your waiver wire questions, what have you. Uh, on Twitter, I am at Andrew underscore Seifter. And I'm at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.